standing up in McKinney. This is According to Callus. Episode 531, coming to you on the 16th of November, 2023, hastily titled, No More Military. Yeah, uh, we're going to touch on that here in just a moment, but before we get into the subject matter of the day, as long as my wife, or my uh, <laughs> voice holds out on me here, right? Mm-hmm. Let me ask you, please stop what you're doing. Follow this program, like and share and subscribe it. Go to your favorite podcatcher, doesn't matter what one it is, follow along. Join me, and if you want to go over to the social media site, I have a page and a group on Facebook. I do visit Gab, I do visit MeWe, and apparently I haven't been kicked off of uh, YouTube just yet. Uh, Perhaps what I have to say today will get it there, but (laughs) we will see. Again, Um, this is in part inspired by the fact that it was veterans day on, uh, the 11th, right? 11, 11, but secondarily, or most recently I was listening to Brian McClanahan's program and he was talking about the idea that there's just not a lot of recruits right now. So that coupled with the fact that you know, Veterans Day had been within the last few days. And this is kind of a subject near and dear to my heart. I know I've talked about this a little bit in the past. I know I've talked a little bit about the service that I did, which I I don't want to oversell it. Okay. And, but I got, I got to thinking about it and, and I felt like this is something that shouldn't be passed up. So I've got, Three primary points here that I want to hit on. The first is the mission. What What's the problem? Second, what are we doing and why are we doing it, right? And third, who are we serving? So let, let's, let's uh, sit back for just a minute and let's gather our thoughts and move forward. All right. Now, I've always been straight. I served for a couple of years in the early 90s. I didn't do anything fantastic. I didn't have any, you know, special thing. I was in the Navy. I was in peacetime Navy. Now, all the other veterans, those that actually served and saw combat, they're always very gracious to to us guys, right? They tell us that we should still be proud. We we shouldn't uh we shouldn't feel like we don't measure up. Well, that's all well and good, but I'm here to tell you, uh, I don't measure up. Somebody was actually in combat and got shot at. What I did doesn't equate. So, lest anybody ever thinks that that's something I believe, no, that couldn't be any further from the truth. That being said, I have no shame. I'm very happy that I was fortunate enough to not ever have to go see combat. That That I didn't have to endure the troubles of being in a wartime conflict. Does that mean I wouldn't be willing to do it? Does that mean that it's not uh, in me? No, it just means I was fortunate. I missed out on it. And anybody that's actually experienced that would probably tell you to be grateful and thankful. Now, I have only spoken to probably about 100 different people that were 
actual combat veterans or and, and I'm speculating it was 100. I don't have an actual number, but it's been a lot of guys over the years. And y'all say the same thing. Well, no, you don't want that. I mean, very rarely does somebody actually want that. So that being said, I want to put it in that context, right? I, there's nothing special. There's no great voice of wisdom here. It's all from my understanding, what I saw and how it relates. So what are we getting at? Okay. Well, I'll say from the onset, you may have heard that there's disproportionate representation of certain minorities or minorities in general in the military. From what I understand, and and look, I've been out for over 20 years. I don't pretend to keep up on it because why? But at the time I was in, I don't believe that was accurate. I mean, within a percentage point of the population or two, I'm not going to lose sleep over that. What I will tell you from my own limited (laughs) interactions there might have been a disproportionate representation from people in the South or um, poor people, maybe, right? And when I say poor people, I just mean people that are not very well off. Does that mean they're stu- stupids or they're slow or they're incapable? No, none of that. That doesn't correlate with intelligence. Not at all. At least not in my experience. But what I can tell you is Without a doubt in my mind, every guy that I knew when I served and that I've met afterwards, without a doubt, was a man. And almost all of them were man's men or men's men, if you prefer. There wasn't an effeminate effeminate one in the bunch. Now, does that mean there wasn't, mm, let's call somebody that practiced alternative lifestyles that I ran across? Maybe. But when they were on the ship and they were doing their job, they weren't worried about their nails they were there to do a job and do it well, regardless of what they may have done off the ship. Now, I know there's lots of jokes about the Navy and whatever else. And look, if you've been in the service, that's part of the deal. You mock the other branches. Everybody loves to dunk on the Air Force, mostly because it's just super easy. <laughs> that being said, where am I going with this? I fear, I fear, we've killed the golden goose, right? The goose that lays the golden egg, if you will. Now, I remember in my history, they talked about the reason why the Roman legions began to fail. That's because the Roman legions were no longer filled with Romans. They were no longer filled with men who actually had a vested interest in what Rome was doing. Now, that's a very simplistic explanation, Yes, and some of it came from the fact that as they became more successful and more rich, they quit caring about anything other than themselves. And that that may be true. But the military has strangely, at least for the last, I don't know, let's say 20 years, maybe not that long, let's say 15 years, rejected the idea of I don't know, let's call them masculine males that are from a Christian background participating in such a way that they get to be masculine. Indeed, if you 
tell men, we don't want you to be men and we don't want you to do manly things in the military, which has always been the place that men go to be manly and do manly things is the military, then why would they continue to do so? Now, look, you can interpret that how you want. And it's, yes, it's an overly simplistic view of things. But when you tell people or a generation that we don't want you here because we have other goals, it doesn't matter what you think about those goals or how lofty or egalitarian there. It doesn't matter. If you tell people we no longer want men to be men, they're not going to be men. And the same holds true in the military. So we've destroyed that. We, we've taken that away, that outlet. The military has historically been an opportunity for people to do better in life, to improve themselves, to move up in the world to get an education, to learn valuable skills. They then turned it into a job. They then made it into a career path. They they then justified all the bureaucratic garbage that went along with it. Now, was some of that necessary? Sure, of course. But I heard the statistic that for every three men in the field, there's 97 people supporting them. That just doesn't seem very efficient to me. You know, I'm in the Navy back in the day, and... Honestly, I'm going to guess 10% of the people on the ship, maybe we could function without, but pretty much everybody else on that ship, and including the majority of that 10%, would be missed if they weren't there. I mean, it doesn't do you any good to have a ship that's full of engineers and has nobody to do the other maintenance. It doesn't do you any good to have a ship that's full of all the people doing the maintenance and everything else, but nobody can read the charts and steer it or do the communications, right? There's all these jobs that are there specifically. Everybody's supposed to work together. It is a teamwork operation. Now, I'm going to set aside the whole women in the Navy or women in the military in general issue because I think that's been a major distraction. But setting that aside for just the purposes of this discussion, you don't create a military to cater to exceptions to the rule. The military is supposed to be there. What is this? What is it Rush Limbaugh used to say? Uh, kill people and blow things up. Something like that. So we've taken away the incentive for men to go be men in the military. Okay. Secondarily, what are we doing? You know, why would I go serve in the military for the United States to go fight in an endless, fruitless war overseas for reasons that honestly don't make any sense to the vast majority of the people. And you may say, well, we're, we're out of Afghanistan now. We're, we're out of Iraq now. But explain to me, why are we in Syria? Why are we in Ukraine? What are we doing in Israel? What are we, what are we doing at 156 other bases or whatever it is? all around the world or 156 nations all around the world. Who knows? Who cares at this point? But why are we there? What are we doing? What's the purpose? Now, if you want to make the argument that we're protecting freedom of the seas, okay, that explains the Navy. That doesn't explain the Army or the Air Force. I mean, at least in part, you could justify the Marines because they go with the Navy. But again, why are we doing it? What are we trying to justify? 
And for that matter, we have this mindset that we're going to be able to fight a two-front war at a massive scale and fight it well. Well, excuse me if I find that dubious. Excuse me if I think that might be just a little bit beyond reality. Allow me to elaborate. We are no longer the sole superpower. We are no longer in a bifactional world where we're playing off each side. We are no longer actually able to field a military full of manly men that are going to go do the work that needs to be done. We're not capable. Now, is that the fault of the people that go and serve? No, that's the leadership. And our leadership doesn't know what the role of the military is. Now, I heard, you know, that they do all their social engineering and experimenting through the military. That's true. That's been proven out. But let me ask you, how inspiring is it to serve in the military that does targeted ads to somebody with two moms? I mean, really? Again, we're catering to the exception of the rule here. How is it inspiring to have a, I want to say pervert, but that's probably not going to do justice. Let's go with mentally ill. How inspiring is it to have mentally ill individuals that obtained stars on their uniform? I mean, we used to run off people that were mentally unfit. We used to say, well, no, if you want to go do that business, we don't do that. Not in my Navy. I mean, I know it's all about being inclusive now. I get it. And we can't judge anybody for doing anything, no matter how repugnant it is. But there's consequences. There's consequences. So we're sending people to go do things that they don't understand why for purposes that don't seem to have any benefit to our country, whether we're mercenary like, or whether we're just being fruitless. I don't know. But it doesn't make any sense. Who in their right mind wants to go sign up to do something like that when they're not, in fact, serving their country any longer? I think that's a fair question. I think that we ought to evaluate how did we get here. So we basically told the people that used to do this job in high numbers, we don't watch anymore. And then the ones that stayed, we said, well, we're going to go waste your time and efforts over in other places where they don't want you there, they don't care for you there, and oh, when we mess you up for life, we're going to ignore you. We're going to write you off. We're not going to take care of you. Oh, you doubt me? Well, hey, you just go ask your friends over at the VA. Go find go find some veteran and see how that's worked. And they just ignore all the problems that there are. So let's take a moment just to consider the last part of this puzzle here. Who are we serving? I mean, for me, it's very simple. I am over 50. I'm a little overweight and I'm certainly out of shape. But if we were invaded or if there was a legitimate threat of invasion, I, I'll find a way. I'm going to protect my family. I'm going to protect my home. And I imagine that anybody else that's an able-bodied functioning brain male in this country would feel the same way. 
you come after my country, you come after my state, you come after my family, I'm going down fighting. There's plenty of that that exists. The, we have not gone anywhere. We're past our prime, perhaps. We're, we're not the front line any longer, but we're still around. And we know what's at stake. But let me ask you, if you're, if you're feeling like you're serving under the control of mentally ill or mentally incapacitated leadership, if you feel like everything we're doing is basically a giant waste of time, energy, effort, or just pointless, why would you continue to do that? Now, Brian McClanahan <clears throat> did bring up the idea that, you know, during the Civil War, the high levels of recruitment that they were getting in the North were people that just needed jobs. They needed work. And he said, historically, that's how they've had their highest recruitment when the job market's bad. Well, I got to tell you, I was no gung-ho, you know, door kicker by any stretch of the imagination, but I certainly didn't want to serve full-time with somebody that was just there for the college plan. I, I didn't want to be with somebody that was just marking time. No, I got to be honest. I was marking time. I had a two-year enlistment. I didn't know if I was going to stay for another year or two. In the end, I decided I'd rather go home and get married to my wife of 30 now years. But I didn't know that for absolute certainty when I signed up. I was open to the possibility that, hey, I might really love it in the Navy and I might want to stay a couple more years. Now, that would have changed my entire life. And when I ran the numbers, if you will, in my head, I decided what was best for me, what was best for my long-term life. Go home, get married, have a wife, have children, have a life. But some people make other decisions, and I respect that. And those are the people that should be applauded because they were willing to set it aside. But let me ask you, what does it mean that when their reward is, well, you went overseas and you fought for us, but you got injured, you got hurt. You did something that deviated slightly. We're going to railroad you out. We're going to ruin your life. We're going to not take care of you. We're not going to keep our promises. How are we inspiring anybody to want to serve? And when we keep finding clashes or wars or conflicts that go keep throwing our sons and unfortunately now daughters into, for what purpose? Oh, I, I know it's great for Boeing, Lockheed Martin, Raytheon. A couple of investors, one of which is apparently running for president right now. That That's great for them. But what about we, the people? What about the average Joe? They signed up to defend their country, not defend Ukraine. They signed up to protect America, not Israel. They signed up to protect their home and hearth, not go play around in Syria. Now, we could justify and wrap our heads around why you might be in Afghanistan. Not for 20 years, but at least for a short period of time. And, and we bought the lies, the propaganda, why we were in Iraq. And now anybody that's honest and looks back at what's happened with 2020 vision realizes that we were sold a false bill of goods. We were lied to. We went along with it because we believed our government. 
So let me ask you, if you're a uh, Gen Z, why in the world would you want to go enlist? Why would you want to sign up to be an officer? Now, look, there are plenty of really good people that want to go do that. I'm not knocking them. I think that's still a very important and valiant thing to do, a role to fill, if you will. I'm asking the question for the macro level. If I'm part of Gen Z and I'm looking at all the crap that's gone on while I was a child until now, why in the world would I want to do that? I mean, me as a 50 plus year old guy, I'm like, well, you can do this. You can do this. This is great. You know, this maybe not so much. I, I can... I can understand why you would make that sacrifice at 20, but if you're 20, 25 years old, you got to be looking and wondering why in the world would I want to do that? Can you fault somebody for thinking that way? Can you blame them for having their doubts? I certainly can't. I'm not going to pretend that I do. I mean, I get it. Again, looking at the idea that we have either incompetent, incoherent, or quite frankly, mentally incapacitated or mentally ill leadership in a lot of roles in the military, who would choose to serve under that? Now, yeah, love of country, service. Okay, yeah, that's going to override that for some people, yes. But we're talking about a generation and we need a whole lot more than the few and the proud. You've taken away the motivation. You've taken away the camaraderie and enjoyment that could be gathered. Now, look, when I was in the, when I was in the Navy, we were dealing with the whole, uh, don't ask, don't tell thing, right? And I served with guys that were a whole lot more gung ho than I was. And several of them said, look, I don't really care who that dude's with on the weekends or at night, as long as he can come here and do a good job. As long as he can do the job in front of him, I don't care. But I got to tell you, a lot of that same mindset didn't translate to, yeah, I, I'm not I'm not good with uh, ladies trying out for the SEALs or, or for combat stuff. Um, I don't think that ladies can do certain roles. I mean, they were obviously not supposed to speak about this, but they're being honest. We're being honest. We're, we're amongst ourselves. We're not going to go rat each other out. Right. And I would never say the names on public space like this, but I'll tell you right now, I I had, I had a role where we had to be able to men carry a 200 pound piece of equipment by ourselves. Now, look, if you look like China from the old WWF, and you're a lady, yeah, you could probably do that job. You probably don't even need to be that big and that strong. But go with me here. You're the exception to the rule. Maybe you pass the physical and you get to do that role. But why in God's green earth would we pretend that we're all equal? We're not. There There are people out there that are significantly smarter than I am. There's a whole lot of people out there that are significantly stronger than I am or faster and they, they're fit for certain roles that I am not. That doesn't bother me. I'm not going to hold it over their head. So why would we do the same? Why would we start designing the entirety of the military or for anything or anything else for that matter based on the exception to the rule? The rules are there for a reason. 
It's common knowledge. It's common practice. If you have an exception to the rule and you want to change things to accommodate the exception to the rule, fine. But don't rewrite the rules to accommodate the exception to the rule. Make an allowance for something that deviates from the norm. Let's not pretend. What we're really driving ourselves into is a situation where we're not going to have enough men to go do the jobs that need to be done. We're not going to have enough capable individuals that can fulfill the necessary roles. Now, some of that might be because we want this giant army. We want the giant military to cover the entire world. And that's just not necessary anymore. It's a, it's a unneeded, undesirable situation. Of course, that's just my opinion, right? You're feel free to disagree with me. But if our job is to protect the United States, our job is to protect home and hearth, look after our families. Why do we need to be screwing around on the other six continents? Why do we need to be sticking our nose in everybody else's business? I mean, I'm sure there's legitimate reasons out there, but for everything, everywhere, all the time, I don't buy it. If you're a veteran, clearly, you know what I'm talking about. If you're somebody that's currently serving, you have a general idea what it is I'm talking about. Now, maybe you're not allowed to talk about it. Maybe you think it's embarrassing. Maybe maybe you don't think that you want to be going down that road. I get it, and I respect it. But let's not pretend it's not the case. Let's let's not just bury your head in the sand. We've got some serious issues. We're never going to fix it if we're not willing to talk about it. It's never going to improve if we don't reevaluate what's really important. And honestly, I'm just not convinced that being involved in a bunch of other continents in little, for lack of a better word, regional disputes that have been there for decades, perhaps eons in certain cases, that anything the United States is going to do is going to change any of it. Why would we as Americans, why would we as Texans think that somehow we're going to bring the magic sauce and fix it? I'm not convinced. I'm not willing to continue to play along with the charade. I'm not not going to continue to trumpet that these are good things to be doing We should just mind our own business. We should be peaceful. We should be friendly. We should encourage people to do the right thing, but we should lead by example. It doesn't seem to be that hard. And yes, that means we need a military. We need a strong military. By strong, I mean well-armed, well-trained, and able to go deal with problems as they arise. Not prepositioned and garrisoned around the world. But that's just my thought. Feel free to disagree. But we're running down a path where we might not have any other choices going forward. And with that, this has been According to Callus. I will let you go and I will see you on the other side.